This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This one's going to be awesome. Landon Lucas, former Kansas big man, going to join us in a bit. We're going to do things a little bit different. We'll get to uh, my opening thoughts on Kansas over the past couple of weeks. There's one player I want to center on. You probably don't have to spend much time guessing as to who that's going to be. I also want to do some instant reaction for KU Iowa State. I was in the building for that. Instant classic. We take for granted those games. I'm probably going to take you on some highs, take you on some lows. Hopefully we end up somewhere in between. First things first, KU beats Iowa State 62-61 in a game that probably was a little bit closer than it should have been. Dewan Harris, instant legend status? Question mark? Probably not. But that was a circus shot, and having been in Allen Fieldhouse for a lot of games, a lot of Big 12 games, that's as good as it gets, man. It's as good as it gets, and we take those games for granted. Now, granted, had Dewan Harris missed that shot that didn't look like it had any business going in, I probably wouldn't be talking like this, but he didn't miss the shot. It went in, KU won, and it was an electric atmosphere inside the field. You just don't get those sorts of games very often, and we were treated to one on Tuesday night. As good as Dewan was there in the final moments, Ochai once again was incredible, 22 points, Seven rebounds. He goes four of eight from three-point range. He has firmly cemented his status as being a national player of the year candidate. The efficiency numbers for Ochai this year are absurd. It's so seldom that a guy will increase his volume and also increase his efficiency. And that's exactly what Ochai did. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I didn't see it coming. Like, I was one of the people who coming into his senior season after he had flirted with going pro after his third year at Kansas, that kind of was resigned to the idea that he is who he is, right? I, I know who this guy is. He's, what, now 22? I love that, by the way. Guy hits 21, 22. We're like, oh, yeah, we kind of know who he is. No, this guy has completely 
transformed his game, not just from being an efficient scorer, but being a guy who can go and get his own, somebody you can hand the ball to in crunch time, and he can take over a game. He is absolutely a National Player of the Year candidate. If the season were to end today, I think he would be a first-team All-American, and he once again proved that against Iowa State. I don't think I've seen anybody take a bigger leap from one year to the next under Bill Self. I threw this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago. People were throwing out Frank Mason, Thomas Robinson, Jeff Withy. The one thing that separates Ochai from those guys is a lot of those guys, in the years they saw the big leaps in production and efficiency, they were coupled with an increased role. Right, They would go from being a bench player to a starter or from being a rotational player, a role player, to a go-to guy. For the most part, Ochai has the exact same role he had a season ago. The only difference is that he is wildly more efficient. He is more confident, therefore more aggressive. And we're seeing that have a massive impact on this team. Remy Martin is not healthy right now. If and when he gets healthy, I think the combination of Ochai, Christian Brown, who we haven't even talked about, and Remy has the potential to be one of the best single-season backcourts we've seen in the Bill Self era. Again, a lot of that has to do with Remy Martin's health, which at this point is up in the air. But between what Ochai and Christian Brown are doing, specifically on the offensive end of the court, it's special. It's special. And while I know we have a tendency at Kansas to judge these teams and these players off expectations, which are always sky high, that tends to lead towards maybe negative connotations. You're not fulfilling the expectations. Ochai and Christian, like, there's nothing negative to say about those guys. It's incredible the leaps they've taken from last season to this season, and they are, in large part, the reason why there still should be a ton of optimism about this team and their potential to be a national championship Final Four contender. Okay, there's the good stuff, right? I said we would do both. I said we would hit the the highs, we would hit the lows. I was going to take you up, I was going to take you down. You know where I'm going to go now. And it's with David McCormick. David McCormick played 10 minutes against Iowa State. He scored one point. He pulled down four rebounds. It was the second game in a row where he has effectively looked unplayable, which is a little bit surprising considering the headlines that we were talking about going into the Oklahoma State game. The headline going into the Oklahoma State game was David McCormick benched in favor of super, super senior Mitch Lightfoot. The headline exiting the Oklahoma State game was David McCormick explodes for 17 points, a career-high 15 rebounds to help lead Kansas to a win against the Cowboys. We thought that was a turning point, and we've, we've seen this before. If you're a KU fan, if you've watched enough Kansas basketball, this story isn't new. Bill Self, master button pusher, motivational ploy. He benches one of his starters to send a message. And this isn't even hypothesizing. He came out and said it right before the game. He said, and I quote, Bill Self, we will not be a terrific team this year unless he, David McCormick, performs well. That's the bottom line. David McCormick performed well. KU won against Oklahoma State. It's been a rough year for David McCormick. There were high hopes for him coming into the season. He finished so strong in conference play last year after a really poor start. It felt like almost deja vu seeing him start poorly last year, play really well in conference play, seeing him start poorly again this year, play really well against Oklahoma State. Thought maybe that was a sign of things to come. 
Last season, non-com play, nine points, five rebounds a game. Conference play, 15 and seven guy. In large part, I think with Dave, it was a change in roles for him. Think about what he was dealing with going into his junior season. He spent two years playing behind an All-American in Yudoka Azabuki, a legend, a guy who's going to have his jersey hanging in the rafters someday. That's the guy he was backing up. Yudoka leaves. Dave comes into his junior year. Now it's your turn to be the guy for KU. Simply put, he wasn't ready for it. He looked sped up. He was flustered, whatever you want to call it. Nothing looked right. Poor shot selection. He couldn't play to his size. He was getting outworked by smaller players. He was rushing everything. It was a mess. Then all of a sudden, something flipped. And I don't think it was because of anything all that interesting, right? We can do the think pieces, the long reads. He just got more comfortable, right? He had never been in that role before. It took him some time. I'm sure there were other motivational ploys by the coaches. And then you started to see him take the ball harder to the rim. He was playing to his size. It's like somebody reminded him that he was 6'11", 260, and that he was bigger than 99.9% of the guys that he was going up against. That version of Big Dave was great. And it was what that team needed. Because last year was, and this is not hyperbole, it was the worst offensive team that KU's had under Bill Self. Not one of, but the. They didn't have any shot creators. And because of that, the shot makers that they did have never had enough opportunities to, you know, make shots. There was no creators. There were no distributors. So what did Bill Self do this offseason? He went and got himself one. His name's Remy Martin. We'll get back to Dave in a minute, but I want to divert here for a second because I do think it's really hard to talk about Dave and his role without talking about Remy. Remy was brought in to help alleviate some of the concerns that we saw for KU's offense last year. And in short, it's been a work in progress. We knew there'd be an adjustment for Remy, and I think we're seeing that play out in real time. He didn't play versus Iowa State. It started with a back injury early in the season. He banged his knee against Nevada, came back. You thought he was healthy, then he enters it again in practice, didn't play versus Iowa State. When he's out there, we're seeing the adjustments happen in real time. At Arizona State, he was given free reign over some lackluster teams. And you knew that wasn't going to be the case once he got to Lawrence. And I think it took him some time to get used to it, but he's starting to turn the corner. But he's not alone out there in the backcourt. He's playing alongside Dewan Harris. Dewan is more of a pass-first point guard. He's great. He's certainly carving out a role. We can get into that in another episode. But it was Remy who was the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. Now, he's not that, but there's a reason he got those votes, because he's a shot maker. He made a living out of that at Arizona State. Offense breaks down, eight seconds on the clock, need a bucket. He's the type of guy who can go and get you one. But the other part of that is that he's got a really quick first step. He can suck defenders in. He was never known for being like a pure distributor at Arizona State, but the idea was that Bill Self, this Kansas staff, was going to teach him how to become one. And if they did, well, then this offense is going to be unstoppable. What I don't think anyone could have truly anticipated was the massive leaps we were going to see from Ochai and Christian. And as good as those guys have been knocking down shots from the perimeter, where they've been at their best is scoring in transition because this team forces turnovers. 
They push the tempo. They are lethal in transition. Some of the analytic numbers are really impressive. Hoop Math has them as one of the top 10 fast break offenses in the country. Any way you slice it, just generally speaking, one of the best offenses in the nation. They're top 10 in scoring, top 10 in field goal percentage. Kim Palm has them as a top five in adjusted offensive efficiency. But the way they play, the style that they play when they're at their best is nothing like it was a season ago. The reason why David McCormick became a go-to guy was out of necessity last season. It was not because he was an uber-efficient big man. It's because KU didn't have a better option. You're the best we got, then you're going to do. That is not the situation Kansas finds themselves in this year. With a new Ochai Abaji, with a new Christian Brown, and with the addition of Remy Martin. This is no longer the stuck-in-the-mud, slow-it-down, half-court offensive Kansas team. This team has evolved and adapted. And they truly have one of the best backcourts in the country. A backcourt capable of going to a Final Four and winning a national championship. But there is no question that the front court is holding this team back. That their lack of an interior presence, that their lack of a true rim protector, is keeping them from reaching their full potential. Bill Self is always quick to say that. That he doesn't like to compare one team to the next. He doesn't want to compare this team in 2022 from that team in a different year. Every team is defined by their individual ceiling, and you define success by how close that team gets to their ceiling. This team's ceiling is Final Four National Championship. But the only way they're going to reach that is if the big men improve their play. KU currently ranks 175th in two-point percentage defense. You ain't going to a Final Four with that. And you certainly ain't winning a national championship. This team has evolved and changed and adapted from a season ago. And it's long past time that David McCormick evolved and adapted with them. Landon Lucas played for Kansas from 2013 to 2017. He was under-recruited. He was unheralded. By the time he left, though, he was what we referred to as a glue guy, which, as we'll cover in this interview, was at one point, in my opinion, almost a faux pas. It was a bad word. We didn't like to call guys glue guys. It insinuated that they were lacking in some regard. Yet, I view glue guys as a term of endearment. I think fans view it the same way because it means you weren't given anything. It means everything that you got, everything that you accomplished, you had to go out and grind for. You had to go out and earn. And now... We refer to glue guys as something that every team needs to have. If you've got a good team, but you're missing that one thing, what do you need? You need a glue guy. This 2022 team, they could use a guy like Landon Lucas, somebody to do the dirty work, somebody who doesn't care about their stats, doesn't care about the accolades or the attention, somebody who's going to go down, do the dirty work, and do the things that the team needs to get a dub. Landon has now embarked on a media career with 
the Glue Guys podcast. Wow, fitting, huh, that he's doing with his dad on the field of 68 Network. If you're a Kansas fan and you want to hear things broken down, maybe from a different perspective, I would highly encourage checking out Landon's podcast. It's really good stuff. You can check it out on YouTube, Twitter. Go to his Twitter page. Go to YouTube. Search for the Glue Guys, Landon Lucas, Field of 68. Come on, you're resourceful. You can figure it out. Great dude. Loved catching up with him. And now I get to share it with you. Here is my conversation with former Kansas big man, Landon Lucas. Big picture, what you've seen so far this year. You can, we can make this about Dave. We can make it about the big men in general. But whether you're talking about offense, defensive numbers, they're not what you're really expecting to see from a, from a Bill Self team. So when you're watching the front court, the big guys, Mitch, uh, Dave, whoever else you want to kind of lump in there, what are you seeing right now here halfway through the season? Well, you know, I, I see uh, why there's frustration around it from coach, from fans. Um, you know, you expect to get some kind of production um, from that big spot. My thoughts on it would be, um, and I've said this before, you know, just to tell the guys to keep it simple. Start with the basics and then go from there. You know, go out one game. Uh, if you're Dave, if you're Mitch, uh, and just focus on getting rebounds, setting good screens, you know, making sure that you're in the right spots on defense, guarding the hell out your man. I promise you, if, if one if those bigs go out there and they get uh, 15 rebounds, guard their man, and then make, you know, the, the few opportunities they get, you know, around the basket, Coach Self will be ecstatic. Even if it's just a few points, that's what this team needs for them for now. And then you can build from that. You've seen what Dave did, you know, in the past and last year. You know, there's potential, but you got to start somewhere. And I think that that's where uh, they need to get their minds and get started. It's interesting to compare this team to last year because they play so different. Whereas you know, Dave struggled to start last year, and then he really started going in, in conference play. But they were kind of force-feeding him. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of shot makers, and he was sort of their primary offense once they got into Big 12 play. Well, now you see the growth that Ochai's made and, and Christian, and you add Remy in. This team wants to run. They want to push the tempo where they're not living in the half court as much as they, much were. As they were. How much do you think that is sort of affecting Dave's mindset where he's all of a sudden kind of being asked to evolve and, and play differently than he was last year? Yeah, I mean, uh, it very well could be uh, affecting it some. And, and the way I would approach it if I am – coach self or you know somebody who's in his ear is telling him that hey you know if you want to start thinking next level stuff uh, which I'm sure he is you know he, he's playing at Kansas right now uh, anybody who has started at Kansas for a good amount of time is going to be thinking okay you know post Kansas you know what's my career like this is actually a pretty good audition because he's going to be surrounded more and not being force-fed like you know he may have been last year uh, at that next level. And so I would really look at this and try to hone in on uh, some of those other things and impacting the game in other ways. Um, and if you approach it like that, the other things will come naturally. He's, he's a, a big, strong guy down low. He's going to get his opportunities, um, but really can uh, let the other guys do, do their thing and try to find ways to impact the game that doesn't have to do with uh, scoring and being you know, fed down low every play. I, I know it's easier said than done. I was going to ask you if it's easier said than done, but of course it, it always is when we're talking about this sort of stuff. But yeah. with, 
specifically with 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 Dave and and where his strengths lie. Like I, I don't know how much you've spent on the court, like actually practicing with him and stuff. Um, how hard is that to make an adjustment like that in season where you took half a season last year getting comfortable in a in a new role where Yudoka leaves. Now it's your turn. Takes you some time. You finally get comfortable. You spend all off season trying to continue to improve, and then you get into this season, and now you're being asked to do something completely different. Yeah. Like, how hard is it to to shift that mindset? Uh, it's difficult, especially when by shifting it, you know, you're not doing the things that are going to be showing up to the fans and to everybody. And right now, when you're in the rut, and after coming off last year, I'm sure it's like, oh, I just want to go out there. And, you know, have a game where I scored 25 and, you know, kill it. You're thinking in that way. And it's difficult because, you know, if he goes out there, he may be thinking, hey, I do these small things. They don't get noticed as much. But what he needs to know is that his teammates and coaches, first and foremost, are what's most important. And they're going to, you know, appreciate that more than anybody. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's tough. And I even, you know, and I grew up with a dad who was in my ear telling me, hey, do those things. And, you know, uh, playing at a school like Finley Prep where I got a taste of being surrounded by, you know, future NBA guys at a high school level. Um, and it was still hard for me. Um, and so I can only imagine McDonald's are all American coming off of last year. Making that transition is going to be hard, but I think it's going to benefit him a lot and ultimately open up to other things because then you feel more comfortable, you know, uh, getting into your groove, you know, doing some post moves. You know, I know he loves a little turnaround and stuff. That's more, uh, you know, uh, that's you, you'll have more confidence doing those things if you approach the game with the mindset of doing those small other things that the team needs. Did you ever go through anything like that? You were there. You had five years, right? Because you read yeah. your first year. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's uh, however you want to characterize it, pressing or just just not doing what the coaches want you to do. Like, did you go through that? And yeah. what is, what, what's that like when it when it's happening in real time? Uh, yeah, I went through it almost every single season, uh, <laughs> you know, because like you said, the off season, you have so much stuff in your head. Um, I, I vividly remember after my sophomore year, uh, early on, I got some starts, but they weren't meaningful. And then uh, towards the end of the season, once Cliff uh, Alexander got into some trouble, I, I took over a major, a major role into the um March Madness. And I remember going into the off season, like, okay, this is time. I'm going to go, I'm going to have a bigger scoring role. Uh, you know, I, I was working on like outside, you know, fadeaways and stuff thinking that that's what, what the next step was. Um, uh, and then vividly remember going over to, uh, I, I think we, that was the Korea trip, uh, where we went over and, and played in that. And then going into the season, I just was so messed up in the head trying to do things that, weren't within me um, until we went through that whole uh, carousel of big men going into uh, Big 12 play, and I finally got it together. The team, uh, you know, said they wanted me in that starting lineup, and then they they came and said, just do those small things, you know, and once it started clicking, we went on that uh, big win streak, and that's when I really was like, okay, you know, forget all that other stuff I had in my head for this year. Focus on those small things. Um, and then the crazy thing is I restarted again going into my senior year. And I thought again, okay, this is time. You know, uh, let's let's uh, show the next level that I can do this, this, and this. And again, it took me about half the season to figure out, all right, that's not going to work. So um, it's difficult. And really, it, uh, it's, it's going to take – 
him really committing to it and then his teammates and coaches pushing that and encouraging that. And even when he does those small things, you know, applauding him for those small things. Um, so he gets that reinforcement that, okay, this setting a good screen is important to this team, you know, getting a good rebound, playing good defense, those small things that may not show up on the stats are what the team needs. You know, it's funny because I remember when you were, when you were playing, we would sometimes refer to you as a glue guy. And I don't remember who I was talking to, but I think it was David Lawrence who does the the postgame shows for the Jayhawk radio network. And he said, you know, they used to talk about glue guys as if it's like a bad word. Like you don't want to be a glue guy because it implies that you're not the, the blue chip McDonald's all American, which you weren't, you didn't have those accolades coming out of high school. And for fans, I know that's like, it's all, it's an endearing thing for a guy like you who has to grind and you, you keep, they keep bringing in those McDonald's All-Americans, and then by the time you were a senior, you started, what, was it 30 of uh, 35 games? When, when you look at, like, some of, like, I'm looking at your stat lines from your senior year, eight points, eight rebounds a game, and you were, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you led the Big 12 in field goal percentage that year? Like, Yeah, I, I, possibly. I definitely, the first half of the season, you know, was a struggle, but the second half I got it together, and I, I know in Big 12 play, I, I was definitely catching a little bit of a yeah, you should get You shot 64%. 64% in in Big 12 play. So, again, when I go back to Dave, he wa- he is all those things that, that coming out of high school. That you, he was McDonald's All-American. He was a top 40 recruit in the country. Like, from just a an efficiency standpoint, like, do you... How, how intrinsically is that tied to doing the dirty work, to just, like, understanding your role? Because the yeah. only reason, it's a long-winded way for me to ask... I look at Dave and I think it, there's no reason why he couldn't have that efficiency that, that guys like you had uh, by the time you were a senior. Yeah, and, and he should be. And, and, you know, it made that whole, you know, I came in and grinded my way and wasn't, you know, a top McDonald's All-American recruit. So maybe it was a little bit easier for me to just accept, okay, I'm the glue guy. I would go out. I remember there's a game against, like, Texas. I was feeling sick before the game. And I, I – uh, had like 14 or 15 rebounds and still had zero points. And I was, I was almost mad when I scored my first bracket because I wanted to have like a David <laughs> Robinson stat line where I had like, you know, 20 rebounds and zero points. Um, but, you know, that was my mindset and I was okay with that. And so maybe, you know, for, for him being a, uh, you know, high, uh, having all those accolades and stuff, it could be difficult. But, you know, like I said before, you, you got to just – you know, realize what this team needs and then also realize that at the next level, all of that McDonald's stuff is going to be completely out of the, out of the door. Once he goes four years at a major program like this and stuff, um, they're going to just want to see how do you fit into our team? And this is a really great time for him to audition that he can be um, a, a solid big that can come, come into the game impacted by, you know, setting good screens, rebound and playing good defense and doing all those little things. And, you know, if he can just change his mindset to that, um, I, I think it could really benefit him, uh, you know, long-term as well. When you were being recruited, like, what's the pitch from Bill Self when you're not that guy, when you're not the blue-chip guy? What, <laughs> I mean, how... It's, it's pretty much like, hey, if you want to come here, uh, good luck. Uh, but where, you know, you're probably... I remember him telling me on my... Uh, we had a, a recruiting visit and, um, it was myself and uh, my dad, I, I think my mom was there too, but we were at a breakfast with him and the coaches and he said, you know, um, 
you're you're not going to play here much. We're going to recruit over you. Uh, and and then I think he this may have been just a personal conversation, but he told me he was like, hey, if we end up starting you, uh, that probably means that the program has been in bad shape. And I remember thinking, I'm like, oh man, like and this was my like freshman year, um, and you know I, you start considering, okay, that make the right decision uh, to come here. But for me, you know, I I like that challenge. Um, and I knew that I had done it at a high level before just recently in college, in high school at Finley Prep where uh, I beat out, you know, McDonald's All-Americans and stuff uh, for minutes and starting uh, jobs because I did those small things and I felt I could duplicate it again. And if I was going to do it anywhere, uh, Kansas was the place I would want to do it because I knew that that was the highest uh, level of competition at the college level. So, uh, it's a very brutally honest conversation with the coaching staff, but as a player, uh, if you have the right mindset, uh, it, it can really attract you to uh, a program like Kansas because you want those challenges. And I, and I'd have to think Bill self doing this as long as he's been, he knew exactly what he's doing when he's telling you that, right? Like yeah, he's trying he, to figure he, out he who you are. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to figure <laughs> he, out if you're the he, type he of guy who will bet on yourself. Because if, if he, if I came in there and, um, you know, had a mindset that was completely wrong, you're not going to, I would be disrupting the team, the flow and all that stuff by coming in and expecting things or whatever. He knew that I was going to work for it. Um, and that was, you know, beneficial to the team. And, and once he kind of gauged that from me, uh, you know, he, he was, I, I knew that I was earning his trust over time and, uh, you know, they had originally had Caleb Tarzuski as the big man coming to mm -hmm. Kansas. And I like to think that, you know, I, I you know, proved to them that, um, you know, I was a, a good fit for the team and over time, you know, earned a lot of trust uh, with my teammates and with Coach Self and had some pretty damn good teams. You know, we got unlucky a, a few times in the tournament, but uh, it doesn't take away from the, you know, the, the teams that I was on and how good we were. No, I mean, you mentioned Tarzuski. I f completely forgot about him, but I remember that name. He ended up Yeah, that out. was uh he was the one who had originally been coming and they were letting me know, "Hey, we want you, but if he comes, you're you got to go somewhere else." And uh he committed to Arizona and they called me the next day and they were like, "Well, we got a spot, you know, we want you, but you know, just know that we're going to, you know, we didn't get Caleb. We're going to try to find the next big, you know, guy coming up uh and uh good luck." <laughs> and so I, uh, I took that and decided that that was, uh, you know, an opportunity. And I, I wanted to, to chase that uh, opportunity at Kansas. Well, I mean, I think it was Withy who was there your, when you showed up, your redshirt freshman year. And then it yeah. went, I mean, this is ridiculous looking back on it now. It went Withy, yeah. uh, Embiid, Cliff. Yeah, Tark Black. Tark, Tark yeah, Black Tark first. Black, as yeah, a, yeah. who was yeah. a really productive player at Memphis before there. Um, then you had Cliff, Cliff Sheck Diallo, Diallo, and then Doke. Uh, Yudoka, yeah. <laughs> so they got some good – I remember every every year, you know, I'd be – I remember for the Cliff one, we're coming off the first year, and then, you know, uh, everybody is watching the ESPN. He's, you know, putting on the Kansas hat. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go again. <laughs> you know, like, and then the same thing with Sheck Diallo and the same thing with Yudoka. You know, it was always that feeling, but um, – you know, I I enjoyed that. That was fun for me because I knew I was competing against, uh, you know, the best in the country for a very uh, prestigious job. Um, and so that's how I looked at it and looked at it as a challenge. And then I was fortunate enough that, um, you know, I started earning more and more trust to where if there was anything that happened, 
um, coach was, you know, confident in going to me. And then, you know, by my senior year, um, it was one of those things where, okay, we need you in, in the game. Um, and that was, you know, something that I had really strived for and um, was happy that I, you know, earned that trust from coach self. So going back to this year's team, I know we kind of focused on what's going wrong. I've, I'm, I'm kind of, I find myself straddling the fence because I do think the, the issues in the front court are problematic because of the way that teams have kind of exposed. When KU's looked their worst, like that's kind of where they're exposing them. And I've, I'm a little bit worried about that. But the flip side is that I feel like if they do, like if Dave can just get a little bit more comfortable, if Remy just gets a little healthy, this team can be damn good because Ochai and Christian is about as one two, good of a one-two combo as you're going to find in the country. And we just saw Jalen start to get going a little yeah. bit. Like, I'm not even asking you to, like, give me your optimistic outlook, but just, like, when you sort of see what could go right with this team, well, how good do you think they can be? I think they could be really good. I mean, and I think, you know, Coach sees that. And obviously, you're, you know, Kansas fans, I love them because, you know, they're passionate. But that also comes with swings, highs and lows. Yeah. You know, when when you lose a game, it's, oh, you know, look at all these bad things. You know, I was on uh, – the KU Twitter and I was reading some of the things and, you know, they, they find all the, here's the, how we did against these teams and these teams. And, you know, you can paint a bad picture on things, but uh, there's also a flip side to it that, you know, after a loss, you seem to forget. And that's that this is a really, really damn good team with a lot of, um, you know, good players at the right positions um, and with experience and, you know, coach self, who's, I believe is the best coach in the country. He's going to figure out how to get this team together um, and figure out how to get the most of it come March. And so I know that him and the staff, you know, they may be a little worried, but they know what the potential is and they're just trying to get that out of it. Now, whether that potential comes out or not, who knows? And I've been on teams where it hasn't, you know, the worst team I was on at Kansas was the team that was probably the most talented with Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins. Um, and we lost 13 games or something like that, you know, so it doesn't always come together, um, but they have a chance to, and if they all buy in, um, it's, it's, it could be a really, really good season. Um, and, and hopefully another national championship. At one in 17 though, man, I, I mean, you're right with the future pros on 14, but your last year too, I mean, looking at oh. it, you're sitting, you're standing there starting with four future pros yeah, there as well. And, and then coming off the bench, good players. I mean, yeah, those last two teams, my, my junior year with, you know, Perry, Wayne, uh, Frank, Devontae, and then off the bench, you got Svee and Jamari and all those and Shaq. Um, you know, that was a good team. And then you come back again uh, in 17 with another great team. Um, and those were really, really good teams. Uh, but still, I think talent-wise, it's so hard with Joel Embiid and, and Andrew and stuff. But you see that, like, if we were to have played each other, there's a good chance that, you know, those uh, 16 and 17 teams, you know, would beat that, that, uh, that other team just because we hadn't had it figured out and we had all the potential, but uh, it just wasn't going well together. Um, and then especially, you know, at the right time with Joel going down and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it, it all – there can be potential in every team, but it's just about how much of that you end up, you know, achieving. And I know Coach Self is trying to get the most out of it come March, you know, because this time is important, but not as much as it is, you know, the later in the season it gets. I said a couple of weeks ago that I think 
Ochai is... Has, I've seen the best jump from one season to the next from Ochai that I've seen from any player other than Frank. Because Frank was good. Like, he was a really solid player for you guys. But the, the leap he made from junior to senior year, I yeah. think, was, was insane. Like, did you, did you guys see that coming at all? I know, you, I know he yeah, worked I mean, hard, but like, did you know that you were going to see this guy turn into a national player of the year? Well, I mean, this will tell you how much we saw it coming. We barely, I mean, the stats showed it, but the difference that we saw was probably a lot less than everybody else because we saw that every day in practice. We saw what his potential was. And his senior year, he was just, you know, living up to it. But really, I mean, he, from the time he came in his freshman year, I mean, uh, he, we knew there was something special about him and then it was just him growing into it, developing, earning the trust of coach self. And then that senior year, he just had free reign and, um, you know, was balling out, but, you know, we definitely saw that coming every day. And, um, you know, it, it was just a testament to how hard he was working every year to get better. And then come his senior year, um, I'm telling you that that coach self trust and that you know uh, teammate trust that you earn the longer you're at Kansas, uh, it gives you that freedom that you know as a freshman coming in you you don't get you know even high recruits like Kelly Oubre and stuff you come in it's tough right away you don't feel that freedom um, you earn that over time and then once you get it uh, if you got the talent and stuff to go along with it it's uh, something special. I always said that Frank I that he, he had his give a shit meter was higher than everybody else. It's not just like on the team, but like everybody who was going, like there was nobody who was going to work harder, who was going to mm -hmm. push harder to win a game than him. Like, and you kind of just talked about it, but do you have like a memory when you think about just like how much of a grinder and how hard of a worker he was that, that comes to mind with Frank? Well, what I just remember about Frank in general was that he was the type of leader that you would, follow just by example like you just felt that leadership you know he didn't really have to go out of, of his way to you know do anything that he felt like he should be doing or anything just the way he approached every aspect in practice and games uh it was a uh like an unspoken kind of leadership and uh you know perry ellis had some of that too but frank's was just on another level and um you know you have those leader, leaders that are very vocal um, and stuff, and then you have those that you just you feel their energy, and whether it was a big game or whether it was an important time in the game or just a tough practice, um, you feed off of that. Um, and it was just kind of something about him. And then by the time he was a senior, I mean, I remember going into uh, you know games like Kentucky or you know tough environments, big games and stuff, and it was like, well, we got Frank at point guard, you know damn well that he was going to come out and show out and you had no doubt in your mind you know and that as a player you know as a teammate that gives us all confidence because we know that our best player and our point guard who controls the ball and controls everything about the game um he, he was going to be emotionally invested and into it there was no games where you were like oh you know we don't know what frank we're going to get or whatnot and that was something that uh, i remember um, and, you know, enjoyed playing with him in those big situations because Frank was just going to do him and be Frank. And there was never any uh, – I, I can't remember any times where you weren't going to get uh, the best of him in, in those important situations. Uh, dude, this has been awesome. But before I, uh, I let you go, I know you're, uh, you're doing your own media thing. You got your, uh, your podcast, The Glue Guys, with your yep. dad. 
Uh, so I want to give yeah. you a chance to kind of tell people about what you've been doing and uh, how you're enjoying it because it's been fun, at least from a from a consumer point yeah. of view. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I started uh, Field at 68, reached out and asked if I wanted to do a podcast. And my dad was like, hey, let's do something together and it'll be fun. And so we decided to try it out for this season and, uh, you know, have some former Kansas players on, have some current ones in the future, some coaches. Um, and yeah, it's fun. You know, we, we hope to bring a little bit of a different aspect um, where, you know, I can, you know, talk from my experiences at Kansas and connect with the players and coaches. And then my dad, you know, he's been a player, he's been a coach, an agent, all, all of the above. So it's nice to get in there with him and, and uh, you know, talk some Kansas basketball. So, yeah, you could check us out. The, the Blue Guys uh, is the name of it. You can find us on Twitter for some clips uh, that, that we get posted up. And then uh, we usually try to get one episode out a week and check it out. Landon, thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed it. We'll, uh, we'll have to do it again maybe later in the season. For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me on. All right, great stuff there from Landon. Again, that's the Glue Guys podcast, Field of 68 Network, which you can check out on YouTube and Twitter as well. This has been another episode of Waving the Weed. Again, please like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever they give you the opportunity to do. Please do it. You can check it out on the Odyssey app on Apple Podcasts as well as odyssey.com slash 610 sports. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. And here, the NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.